Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in 2 Corinthians 12 and the other in Romans 12. We're in part four of a series called Humble. Now, the Bible says that the inner quality and presence of humility, it's like a fuel pump for your relationship with God and experiencing his greater works in your life. Without humility, God can't relate to us intimately. Without humility, we can't become like Christ with integrity. Without humility, we're setting ourselves up, as we learned last time, for self-destruction personally, right? And in part four, we're going to learn the next powerful benefit of humility, and it's this. Humility is required to manage blessing and abundance successfully. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 21, that the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded him. And so we perform, we get recognition, and then that recognition, because we've performed with the gifts God's given us, it's a test. Success is a test. Recognition is a test. Blessing is a test. Now, I've had the privilege of doing um, some NFL chapels and worked with NFL players, National Football League players. And one of the cool things about the NFL, what they do with their rookies, right? Now, these are 22, 23-year-olds they're putting their name on the dotted line and they are handed an insane amount of money. So they're recognized for their performance on the field, they're recognized for their gifting, they're selected, and they're elevated, all right? So here's the test, right? The test of success. And what they do is they have an NFL camp for rookies and it, it kind of orients them to this new life um, that they're gonna be living. And those NFL owners are so smart uh, to do this, right? Why? Because they don't want the success, the newfound success and status that they have to go to their head because that will affect their play on and off the field, right? So there's just a simple picture that success is a test. And even in non-faith circles, people understand it messes with a guy's head when he's given blessing, abundance, and success. Now, in the Bible, uh, there's some really cool management of success by the Apostle Paul. Now, here's a guy who probably the greatest, listen, the greatest of all time, minus, with the absence of Jesus, in terms of men walking planet Earth and having a footprint for God, the Apostle Paul is at the top. And you know what's great is that he, he understood that his visibility wasn't for him anymore. It used to be, but now it's for God. And he has to manage even the recognition that comes with being an apostle, right? And so we're gonna look in the Bible at some attitudes and some actions that that he manifests in the midst of success, right? And then we're gonna look at, you know, how God can, can keep us humble and remind us of our limitations, 
right? And then we're gonna look at some practical application. But let's look, if you downloaded the notes, the first section is called Attitudes and Actions in Your Success. And I want you to hear the Apostle Paul's attitude. So it doesn't matter what dimension of life you're successful in, whether you're an apostle or whether you're an athlete, right? Listen to Paul's attitude toward his success. Listen, listen to what he says, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. You can just kind of feel it oozing out of his words that Paul has the right attitude. Let's unpack it, right? And the first thing we notice about Paul's attitude is he understands that grace is the reason this has happened. God's grace. He didn't do anything to sponsor his own success. The the blessing and grace and favor of God fell on him and by his grace and mighty power, Paul now has a privilege. Secondly, we see that grace prevents me from making this about me, right? It's great where, where he says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people. You see, that's what grace does, right? When someone is, is elevated because of the unilateral actions of someone else, you can't take credit for it. And that's what happens to us in Christ and as a creation of God, God unilaterally, by his grace, in Paul's case, gave him salvation and raised him up to be an apostle. But by God's grace, unilaterally, God's deposited whatever um, original source materials that we have that makes us and allows us to be successful. So grace prevents me from making this about me. And then third, grace, Paul says, brought him to this moment, right? Graciously gave me, God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles, which is his current occupation, about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Man, we can really learn from the Apostle Paul. Man, you know you're breathing right now because of God's grace. You have gas in the tank and money in your bank account. Why? God's grace. God unilaterally has created you. He's deposited you with the mind, he deposited you with the natural and and learned physical, intellectual, mental gifts that you have. It's all by his grace. It didn't come from you, it came from him. And when that's the reality, you can't make that about you because it was given to you. I think you got the picture, right? So that's the attitude that the Bible encourages in the midst of any recognition and success that we have in any dimension of life. But that attitude creates some actions. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul says this, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. 
Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So Paul's attitude that everything that he has and who he is and what he's able to do is the result of grace, that grace attitude right, results in some actions, and here they are. Number one, he forgets about impressing people. Now, guys, just let's have a cup of honesty here. We live in a culture that's drunk on making impressions and gaining followers, right? And I don't know about you, but have you ever been around a backhanded self-complimenter? You know, it's one of those people who indirectly puts the attention on themselves while trying to act like he's really not. Like, after I got my promotion, I bought a Mercedes, and just trust me by experience, it's a very good car. See what I'm saying? It's like an indirect pat on his own back, and uh, he's, he's lifting himself up. But he's really about the car, right? Yeah, trust me, by experience. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that happens, guys do that, right? Well, our culture, because of the digital media multiverse that's out there, really teaches us and trains us uh, to self-promote. And that's where I see in Paul, man, it is not about pleasing or impressing men. And he takes steps, right? So number one, he forgets about impressing people or men. Number two, he focuses the attention on Jesus. He takes the attention off himself and he puts it on Jesus. He says, you know what? Forget everything except Jesus, right? I chose to forget about everything else and just put the attention on Jesus, the crucified one. So Paul is, is modeling for us how God's man takes actions that show humility in the midst of great success and, and visibility. It's not about impressing people. And man, we gotta focus the attention on Jesus, the crucified one. Focus the attention on God, you know? And here Paul's a preacher of the gospel. He focuses on Jesus. But you know what? That goes across every dimension. You, you, you experience success, you get recognized for it. Man, give credit where credit is due. Number three, Paul puts faith in God's power so people see him, right? God, right? I did this so that you would connect what's happening not to me, but to God. So what does he do? He takes some steps to make sure that happens. He doesn't try to, to flex his intellectual abilities, which he could, totally, right? Keeps it really simple, right? That's another sign uh, of humility, right? And he relies on God's power. See, there's no such thing as a uh, pridefully dependent man. Usually, prideful people are self-sufficient. They only rely on themselves. But the way Paul uh, stays humble in the midst as he relies not on his own power, but he relies on God's power. So I just wanted to lay a, a groundwork, right? That the Bible says that, that success, blessing, and abundance, they're all a test, right? And when we recognize in our attitude, hey, you know what? 
any success or good things that happen to me or through me are not because of me, but because of a gracious creator who loves me and deposited the resources inside of me to accomplish whatever it is I've accomplished or achieved the goals I've been able to. It's all by God's grace from him. And what does it do? Man, when you understand that, you're not gonna be about impressing people. You're not gonna be focusing the attention on yourself. You're gonna be pointing to the source, right? And then you're gonna stay dependent on God, right? And on his power so that people don't see you, but see him. What a great basis and model. Now, success, to manage it the right way, to manage it God's way, it requires uh, humility, right? That's, that's what keeps our head from, from getting big, right? But if you have a relationship with God, and because God knows human nature, he has ways of keeping us in that sweet spot of humility in the midst of success and blessing and abundance. And he gives us limitations. And sometimes he has a way of keeping us humble by reminding us of our limitations. And Paul talks about that, that God actually worked that way in his own life. In 2 Corinthians 12, which is one of the passages I had you hold a spot in, open that up or just look at your downloaded notes. Just see God's way of keeping Paul humble in the midst of all this recognition and success. Paul says this, if I had a mind to brag a little, I could probably do it without looking ridiculous. And I'd still be speaking plain truth all the way, but I'll spare you. I don't want anyone imagining me as anything other than the fool you'd encounter if you saw me on the street or heard me talk because of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did uh, his best to get me down. What in fact, what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own through your weakness. And once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. What a commentary on how God works with men, how sometimes he allows a limitation or a weakness in our lives to stay. Whoa, aren't I supposed to get victory over my weaknesses and limitations? Well, of course, but sometimes God, when he knows us and he knows our tendencies, Right? He allows sometimes for us to, to, to have a limitation or as Paul describes it, a, a handicap, a defect just in his, in his attitude or action that just kind of keeps him in touch like, hey, you're not all that. Right? Remember, you're just like everybody else. You struggle. You know? 
And that's God's way. Now, how does God use um, these weaknesses or these limitations? Number one, our limitations serve as reminders. Right? A man in touch with the reality of his limitations, right? That guy stays humble. Right? He can't get super prideful. Why? Because he has some limiting things, not perfect doesn't do certain things well, has attitudes and actions that he's still kind of working on. And when you're in that mode, you stay humble. Number two, our limitations force us to depend. I said it before and I'm gonna say it again. There is no such thing as a pridefully dependent man. You say, what do you mean, Kenny? Usually if you're prideful, you depend on yourself. There's no need to depend on God. It takes humility to depend on someone else. And the Apostle Paul is telling us right here, just like, you know what? My limitation, it forced me to my knees. I had to depend on God. Number three, our limitations promote humility, right? When you've got a limitation or a handicap or a struggle, you need help because clearly you're not overcoming it yourself or you would, right? And God told Paul in, in, in this area of his life, and we all have areas, amen? We all have areas. He said, my grace is all you need. Just know you're fully loved, you're fully accepted, and that's all you need. And then Paul describes how God's grace invaded his weakness, and it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm not perfect, I'm not perfectable. And if I'm not perfect and I'm not perfectible, I can't be prideful. So God's okay with me having a limitation and his grace covers it. And when I acknowledge that, there's this kind of switch in Paul where he says, boy, once, once God told me that his grace was enough, I was glad to let it happen. Let what happen? that he became okay with having a weakness, right? Here's, here's, the, here's the Apostle Paul who, before he became the Apostle Paul, was the Pharisee Paul, a man, high performer, right? High, high, high performer, really hard on himself, right? Which made him very difficult to connect to. He was super judgmental, super smart, super zealous, right? And couldn't even achieve his own standard, but he tried. Right? And then God says, hey, guess what? You're not perfectible and you can't perform your way into a great relationship with me, so I'm just gonna give you my grace. And it's okay if you're not perfect and it's okay if you don't perform you know, perfectly all the time. Whew. Man, that's a relief, isn't it? That's what Paul means when he says, I was glad to let it happen. Paul now is secure that God knows him, God sees him, God sees him, good, bad, ugly, warts and all, and still loves him. Man, doesn't that sound like God is making Paul secure in grace? Now Paul is like, okay, I have weaknesses. And it is, isn't it interesting, after doing men's ministry for 30 years, that you know when you actually have position but also have grace and operation in your life, you can go ahead and be vulnerable and share a weakness and that actually gives you more 
not less credibility with the people that you're seeking to influence. Why? Because then it gives them permission, right? Because we like to put people up on pedestals, right? Pastors, preachers, Christians. We put people up on pedestals. They're just people. The Apostle Paul is just like, just a person, got limitations. God allows me to have limitations because it keeps me in touch with my weaknesses. So our limitations, number four, write this down, produce a new inner maturity, right? That, you know, you are okay with your struggles. You're okay having one or two or three, right? That you're a work in progress. And this totally is at odds with image, okay? And the billions and billions of images that are going out right now over Instagram, Facebook, wherever, that are projecting perfection, living your best life, healthy, healthy best life, relationally best life. Well, guess what? Yeah, for a little while. But ultimately, you got to look at the person in the mirror and that person's imperfect, right? And we, we, don't, we don't project that, right? We don't talk about that a lot. But here's the crazy thing about knowing God and God allowing us to have limitations, having his grace cover our limitations, is that it makes us secure enough on the inside to say, you know what? Uh, not doing all right in this area, right? I struggle uh, with that. And you know what that does? That puts us into the reality that everybody has something, right? And it makes us more credible. In man world, we don't want to project having a struggle or, or having a weakness, right? Because we're competing, all right? Meanwhile, while we compete and perform and project this image, we're not connecting with people. Right? They're just like, well, I, I can't relate to that because you're, you're just like perfect on the outside and, and uh, I can't connect with that. But I can connect with the dude who's like me, right? And so guys, there's a little secret for relating to men is that, man, when you have the courage and faith and grace operating in your life, you just go, man, I'm not really, not really uh, winning in this area of my life, but, you know, God's, God loves me and I'm working on it. Wow, that like allows other guys to have that. And I love that uh, that Paul does that. So God has a way of keeping us humble. You know, maybe you're living with a limitation uh, right now. Maybe there's a part of your life that just, you haven't seemed to defeat that thing that, that defeats you. And God's just going, look, my grace is sufficient. It's all you need. You got my grace, all right? And um, I want you to stay humble. Right, because I want I want this to work really really well, and maybe I'm allowing you to not have everything resolved in your life, not having all the delays speed up, not only having the difficulties go away, so that we're you're humbly coming to me and we have relationships. See, God will do whatever it takes. So, <coughs> excuse me. In the midst of any success, you got to have the right attitude gotta have the right actions, right? And sometimes you need the right reminders of your limitations. See, in the end, guys, it's your perception of yourself, your gifts that enabled you to have success in the first place. See, the Bible says that your strengths, whatever they are, 
They're gifts. And again, here is that unilateral dynamic coming in. God's grace toward you is a gift. All your strengths, your natural skill sets, your spiritual skill sets, your professional skill sets, your physical uh, capacities, right? Your strengths are gifts. They come not from within you. Maybe you showed up and you activated them. Maybe you you honed them. Maybe you developed them. But the source material comes from God. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, the other passage I told you to hold, verses 3 through 8. He says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the other members. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully, right? So Paul is saying, man, you've been given gifts and we're supposed to do some things with those. Let's unpack what what, what Paul says and then we'll, we'll close that out with a big idea, all right? Number one, the Bible says, my faith in Christ anchors me in reality, right? When God's presence is is active in your life, pride cannot be, right? And you can see just in Paul's language that God's presence is active. He says, for by the grace given me, right? I say to every one of you, right? So there's this this presence of God in my life, there's this awareness of his presence, and so I'm, I'm passing along the attitude that's gotta go with that to you. Don't think of yourselves too highly, but think with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has given you. So the reality of God, your faith in Christ, anchors you in reality. Number two, my faith in Christ makes community a priority. It makes others a priority. Right, Just like on any kind of professional team or any kind of team, there's no I in team. You might have heard somebody say that as a cliche, but it's true, right? Listen to these guys, they're trained by their organizations that when they get on camera after a big win, it's like, well, I got the guys blocking for me. Well, I got that great defense. I got that great offense. You know, so all about the teammates. Man, if only we could carry that over into the body of Christ and just say, you know what, the larger whole trumps the individual member, right? So wise. And I love how Paul's just like, hey, listen, you're on a team, fellas. That'll keep you humble. My faith in Christ makes community, others, the ones working with me, that we're a unit, the priority versus self. And when that's the priority, you stay humble. I'm just doing my role, you know, in the body of Christ. I have gifts that have been given to me. I'm doing my role, right? Let's talk about those gifts. Third, my faith in Christ deposits gifts 
I must recognize and use regularly, right? For his glory, okay? So again, the unilateral aspect of a relationship with God is this, his grace came to you and that pulled you into a relationship with him. He deposits gifts in you that are meant to be deployed within the context of a community, a body, a team, right? And then those gifts are supposed to be used regularly for his glory, right? Versus in a self-congratulatory way for your glory, right? So when, when things are given, you can't take it into yourself and take credit. And that's been kind of the consistent theme. Grace, gifts, gifts that we use, community. All of these things are designed to keep us humble. So what's the big idea? What's the headline over humility and having humility in the presence of success, abundance, and blessing? It's this. Write this down. The big idea. God is the author of all your successes. Wins, big and little, God. Victories, big and little, God. Recognitions, big or little, God. And that's unilateral. And when the grace that he gives you to use the gifts he's deposited in you are recognized and are fruitful and you get more recognition, right? Where does the glory go to? The glory goes to God. He built you. He equipped you with what you know and who you are. And when you remember that, in the midst of your success, you can stay humble, right? Now, I want to take us to a little vignette of a guy who's on the cusp of massive visibility, massive recognition, and massive victory. And his name is Joshua, right? And what does God say to a man that is about to experience massive visibility, massive victory, and blessing, right, by God? Let's jump in and roll the film. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is eight. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised to Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Let's read it together, men. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, what an amazing dialogue that God has with a man that he wants to bless, that he wants to give abundance to, that he wants to give leadership, recognition, visibility, but that requires, right, an, an operating agreement between him and God, and it requires humility. God says, I'm gonna bless you because I promised I would my presence and my power are going to be with you in the midst of this. So go take your territory, but do it my way. All right, so that requires some humility. You're going to have to listen to me, right? Be careful, right? To keep this book of the law, right? Be careful to obey all the law, all right? You're accountable, all right? So be careful, what does that take? Humility, right? Be obedient, what does that take? Humility, be diligent, right? Do what it says, be disciplined, meditate on it day and night, what does that take? It's humility, it's a man under God, right? It, it goes with our theme verse from 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up at the proper time. So don't confuse humility with a lack of strength. All right? This is a strong dude. Gonna do strong things. But he's gonna do it under God. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I don't want you to think, man of God, that being humble is being weak. It's not. It's having the right perception of yourself in light of who God is. So, just by way of reminder, humility is like a fuel pump for your relationship with God. He can't relate to you intimately without it. You can't become like Christ with integrity um, without it, right? You'll head for self-destruction personally without humility. And then to manage victory and success, you gotta have humility, and this is the way you do it. Do, do success God's way. Do success recognizing his grace towards you, recognizing his giftings of you that gives you everything you have, and then God says, pedal flat, depend on me, trust me, recognize me, obey me, and you're gonna, you're gonna take territory, and you're gonna have the right attitude, and you're gonna give me glory, amen? That's the plan, and that's why this series is so, so, so important. So God's gonna bless you in little ways. God may be blessing you today in, in, in big ways, right? But whether the blessings and the victories are small or whether they're huge and massive, this is how we're successful, guys. We're under God, we're recipients of grace. He created us and gifted us to do the things that we do that get fruit and get recognition. And our job, right, is to focus the attention on him and give credit where credit is due. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
for your word. It's so powerful. And I know right now there's just, man, there's so many successful guys that are a part of this live stream community. And they get this. They really do. But I know that they're just men. They're just men who maybe there's a limitation in their life that they would love to have leave. And I pray for those men. Lord, I do pray for victory over the thing that limits them. But Lord, I also pray for an attitude of surrender toward you. And you want to say to them, my grace is enough for you. Right? My power is manifested in your weakness. God, thank you for the blessings in our lives. Thank you for the personal challenges. Yes, God, even thank you for the limitations in our lives because they keep us dependent on you. And thank you that even with the presence of our weaknesses, you love us. Your grace is there for us. Your affirmation is there for us. You love us just the way we are, Lord. Good parts and bad parts and ugly parts, you love us. And so we thank you uh, for that. Keep us humble, God, before you. We want a really strong, intimate relationship with you. We want to become uh, like Christ. We don't want to self-sabotage and destroy ourselves personally. And Lord, when you do bring blessing, or if you are blessing right now, God, I pray that we would be like Joshua, that we would just be men who are careful to keep your word, that we would be men who are obedient to your word, that we would be diligent. And in that posture, be strong and really courageous to deploy the gifts and the blessings that you've given us for your glory and for the sake of others. We pray and ask for this. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. Make sure you join us for part five of Humble, and we'll see you next week.